My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Britt here today with a very exciting guest. You guys, I can't wait to introduce you to John Narrow. You know, he's an executive um, and a career transition coach. He has worked one-on-one with clients to help them find the job that they love or fall in love with the job that they have. So you guys, he also is the host of Mid-Career GPS Podcast. And you know me, you guys, I keep my introductions really brief and short. That way I have enough time for the guests to really elaborate on their journey. So welcome to the show, John. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. So wonderful to have you here. How's it going? It's going well, Brittany. I'm honored to spend some time with you today and, and add some value to your listeners. Absolutely. Well, you have a lot of value to add. I mean, we were discussing this before we started the interview here, but, you know, I think the best place to start would be if you don't mind filling in those gaps and telling us a little bit about what it was like, what your journey was like to get to where you are today. I had a 25-year career in education that started off as a middle school mathematics teacher. I loved being in the middle school classroom. I loved working with those students. But there was a point in my in my journey there, Brittany, where I just felt like I couldn't do it anymore. Um, I worked in a great district, could have stayed there until I wanted to retire, but I just couldn't do it. And I felt pulled. And I also didn't feel like it was fair to the students I was teaching every day. What I learned in that process was my fit was to work with adults. And so that meant working with adult learners, adult educators. And my big career pivot at that point in 2010 was to take a job working for the District of Columbia Public Schools, where I supervised 21 instructional coaches across 13 middle schools. It's probably one of the most dynamic jobs I've ever had and also one of the hardest. So after spending some time there, I navigated to work for a state superintendent. I worked on assessment. So if anybody who's listening as a teacher, the running joke is, you know, we made kids cry and uh, they hate those long form summative assessments and stuff. True story. uh, (laughs) True story. Absolutely. Right. And then I went to go work for an educational nonprofit where I worked in content, but then quickly pivoted into a training and staffing direction role. And great job, survived a couple of reorgs, but after the second reorg, I didn't land particularly well. And it was at that point I realized I could help more people outside of that organization than I could internally. And that's what led me to opening up my coaching practice full-time over six years ago. Incredible. Wow. So what did it feel like when you really, really made that shift and you pivoted into the coaching program? I mean, you know, you finally figured out what makes you happy um, within a career. What was that feeling like then? Like, There's a couple of things. I mean, one of the things is, is that you feel satisfied and fulfilled. You feel like you're in alignment with what you want to do and and everything else kind of comes into place because you start seeing what the path forward is. So I'm going to work as a coach. If there's not an opportunity for me to do that internally, how viable is it for me to go out on my own? And you start thinking about what are all those aspects of putting the business together? 
I couldn't sleep at night in a very, very good way because I was so excited about what I had an opportunity to create. And one of the tenants I always come back to in my business is that I have an opportunity to help more people than I've ever done in my career. And that's what lights me up every day. That's what gets me up in the morning. It's one of the things that gets me up in the morning, just to know that there's such an alignment in terms of my skills and expertise at this point in time in my life and career that ultimately makes that the great fit. Absolutely amazing. I'm so glad to hear that. Thanks for elaborating, John. Um, you know, it's so important like to do something that you're passionate about that lights you up. And honestly, like I, I've been there before where I felt like, okay, I, I, I like what I do because I was a teacher, you guys probably know this on the show that I was a teacher, we've talked about it before, but kind of same thing as you, John, but it just, you know, I knew there was something more that I would be more fulfilled doing maybe with a different, different age group, working with different ages, this or that, right? But I wasn't sure where to start looking to find that purpose, really, right? That fulfillment. So John, thanks for sharing that. I, I resonate a lot with it. So do you mind telling us a little bit of exactly, you know, how you go about delivering what you do today with the people that you work with and a little bit about the services that you offer. Just dive in a little bit deeper, if you don't mind, just so I make sure everybody here listening has a good idea. Yeah. So currently the only coaching offer I have right now is, is one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I either work with a client for six months or we do a short-term fast track engagement, which is a one month relationship. The only reason why I haven't brokered or branched into anything else at this point is that right now for where my business is, this is the best fit. So I'm very thankful that I still enjoy working with my one-on-one -on -one clients. I enjoy that type of energy. I've done some groups in the past and they've been fine, but it's not lit me up in the same kind of way. So as my business continues to evolve, Brittany, one of the things I, I do see offering is some kind of digital course or online programming community that pulls people in who are struggling with what their career clarity or their career transition looks like. In addition to all of that, uh, I also do workshops and professional development. So at the time that we're recording this, I'm just back from two work trips in Texas where I got an opportunity to work with a small sales team and do a full day workshop and training with them. And then I also have a corporate engagement that we were there for five days and got a chance to work with a whole group of people as well. So it's one of the things too, just to kind of pull back a little bit is that when we build our businesses, we can have multiple revenue streams for how we generate that income. So while the primary focus of my income is with the one-on-one -on -one coaching, I'm always happy to pull in other things that I really enjoy doing, like the workshop facilitations or keynotes, where that gets to bring in additional revenue as well. So true. There's so many different options in regards to, you know, how can you make additional streams of income, you know, especially as a CEO or a founder of a business, it's, there's multiple ways, which is amazing. Yeah. Now, and the, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, the other thing is I only do things in my business that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. So if there's something I don't want to do, or I don't like doing, I don't have to do it. 
That's the best part. It's the best part. I don't have to do it. So the fact that I have the freedom to decide or the agency in terms of what I bring into my business and what I do for it is completely and totally within my control because it's my business. 100%. I had a quick question and it's kind of in regards to, you know, back to when you left, you know, the, the nine to five kind of the rat race and then started your business, you know, later down the road. But for those listening that maybe are on the fence about leaving the security of, you know, having a full-time job, maybe it comes with a lot of benefits, you know, like that kind of stuff. Now, what would you, what would be a couple pieces of advice for those people? First off, they probably should go talk to you, <laughs> but <laughs> any pieces of advice for those who are just kind of struggling as to, okay, what the heck should I do? Do I, do I risk it all? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of limiting beliefs as well um, when when thinking about starting a business. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Yeah, thank you for that. Absolutely. There's a ton of limiting beliefs that are there. So the first thing I would offer anyone listening today is get really, really clear on what's going on in your brain and the thoughts that you're having about starting a business. There are a lot of things that are very sexy and attractive about having your own business. There's also a lot of things that are pretty challenging and difficult as well. So as you start doing your research and thinking about what you want to do for your business, you need to get really clear on who are the people you're going to help and what you're going to help them do. Whether you choose to build out a business plan or not, one of the things that we absolutely have to take a look at, what are your finances? What is your runway? How are you taking care of yourself if you are the primary breadwinner in your family? How are you taking care of the people you love and support? What do your medical benefits look like? And also, how long of a runway are you really going to need before you feel like you can do this thing on your own? In my entrepreneurial journey, it really wasn't until my third year when I felt like I had a much better handle on things in terms of attracting clients, generating revenue, knowing how to sell, those kind of things. For some, it might be a little quicker. For some, it might be longer, but you have to know your runway. The other thing that I would offer your listeners, Brittany, is have a personal board of directors. These are the people whom you absolutely trust that you can go to for guidance, support, and advice, and they're going to be very objective with you. So your spouse or your partner might be somebody who is going to cheerlead and rah-rah you all day long. They might also need to be the one that needs to slap you upside the head and be like, snap out of it. Um, so, So we have to take a look at that too. But like for me, my board of directors, I had my spouse, I had my business coach, I had a friend of mine who was also in business for themselves. Those were three people who I kept very, very close to me to objectively help inform my business decisions in terms of growing it. The last thing I would offer is be prepared to ride this entrepreneurial wave where you're going to run the gamut of emotions, the limiting beliefs, the highs and the lows. And it may be to your best interest that you have someone in your corner, like a coach, to really help you navigate through that. So when your brain wants to default to all the negatives, you have a way to process that, get right back on track, and start moving your business forward. 
Thank you, John. I'm right behind you on that. Get a coach, you guys. It's so important because like he said, it is a roller coaster ride being an entrepreneur. Oh my gosh, the highs and lows, but you know what? It's all a part of the journey. So John, with that being said, I really want to dive into the topic, you know, the, um, based on the mid career GPS podcast that you have, what are some of the last, uh, what are three lessons in particular that you have learned that you learned from starting your podcast, um, that helped grow your business? First and foremost, it's about having consistency and having a very consistent launch plan for the first three months. So you know what your launch is going to look like, what kind of podcast you're going to do. Is it a solo? Is it an interview format? Is it hybrid? And you've got your topics lined out for the first three months. So the other thing to consider is that once you make that commitment to start podcasting, your consistency is key and gather data, gather data around what your audience likes, what resonates, what topics tend to do better than others, where you get better at writing the title or the description. Some of those administrative things that you need to do, are you gonna do all the work yourself? Or are you gonna source some of that out? All of that needs to be figured out before you actually launch. So once you do, you're focused most specifically on how do I hit my deadlines for dropping my podcast on this day at this time? Consistency is what builds an audience. They know where to find you. So then, of course, the next thing would be how are you promoting on social media? Where does your ideal listener live? Is it on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever? Uh, you have those things to consider. But one of the things that helped me the most was exactly that. It was about being consistent. The other thing that helped me out was understanding the data. So there were times when I found out that an interview with a guest ticked up far better with more downloads than what a solo episode did. But I also knew that for me, like my best format was doing a hybrid so I wanted there to be times where I was talking directly to my listeners because I could feed and I could serve them information to help them on their career journey. And then there were other times when I wanted to pull guests in who were experts or who offered a different perspective or had a really amazing career story. One of my favorite interviews that's done extremely well was I interviewed a woman who used to be a school lunch lady who transitioned her career into um, parental education and today works with first-time parents to help them be awesome parents and her navigating that journey. So let your data inform what your decisions are as you get more and more consistent with building your podcast. A hundred percent. I think it's so important, you know, look at the numbers, look at the data. It's going to be very helpful. I love this. Hi. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> you guys, I don't know why I said hi. <laughs> so um, the next thing I wanted to ask you is like successful systems to launch, maintain and grow your podcast. Uh, is that based on the numbers, the data, or would you say there's any other methods to go ahead and about monetizing? Yeah. As far as growing your podcast, a couple things that I can offer is so one 
when you're really clear about who a great guest is for your podcast, see if there's a way to partner with them. Even if they just do one shout out for you on social media, how are they going to support? Let's acknowledge they're giving you their time in the first place to come on your show. So we're already thankful for that anyway. But if there's things we can do in terms of the information we share with them about the episode and make it as easy for them as possible because they're busy too. Because the truth is their priority that week is not promoting your podcast. So the easier we can make it for them, the better. The second thing is survey your audience. Who do they want to hear from? What are topics they want? So if you have an email list, it's a great way to get feedback from them as well, or do a post on social where you might get some people to chime in and offer you some feedback. That's another great thing to do. But as far as monetizing, my strategy in that is it's not something I typically do all the time. But every now and then I'm going to drop something on my podcast about, hey, I've got some spots open for coaching. Are you interested? Or, hey, who do you know you can connect me to to deliver a keynote? We don't want it to be constantly because that can turn some people off because they feel like every time they listen, they're being sold to. But if we feed them with great value and great content, and it's something they're going to come back to week after week, they're going to end up being your biggest cheerleaders and advocates. And so that when you do go to sell something, they're either going to buy or they're going to know someone who's going to buy. Amen to that, John. <laughs> this <Amen>. is great. <laughs> so true, you guys. Um, so, John, I wanted to ask you, I know you're sitting at about 161 episodes now, if I'm correct, but anything that you have done that you wish you maybe did differently when starting a podcast that we could, you know, give a heads up to my listeners about? One of the things that I wish I hadn't done at the very beginning was getting very consumed with how many downloads I got per episode. When I took a step back and said, this is what's going to feed my audience. And additionally, when I realized that I was building a catalog of content that anybody at any time could go back and listen to, it didn't matter how many episodes, how many downloads I got in the first seven days because there are still people today that are accessing episode one. So know that the data is just a conversation point. It's not the be all and end all. The other thing I would offer is our podcasting journeys are very individualized. It's, it's our show. It's what we do. It's what we share. And there's other people out there in similar spaces or may have a similar idea let them have their own space as well. You don't have to copy them. You don't have to check in on them. Admittedly, Brittany, there were people whom every time I saw a post from them that they were like, oh, I got 10,000 downloads, blah, blah, blah. I would feel like crap about myself. And so that wasn't serving me. So what did I do? I just quieted them on social. I still keep in touch with them but I just quieted them on social because it wasn't serving me. Let your journey be your own and every day affirm why you're doing your podcast, why it's important to you. And most importantly, why are you helping the people who listen every single day? A hundred percent, John. It's so truly, you know, 
everyone's journey is different and we don't need to compare ourselves. So if you need to mute someone, mute them. I've done it a million times within like different businesses I've done before as well. So super, super important not to compare yourself to anyone else's journey. And the money's not in the numbers. Not always. So don't be so focused on the downloads, guys, because that does not mean that the show is making money. I'll just be honest. <laughs> so, um, John, this is incredible. Now, I wanted to give you the next couple minutes here to talk about anything that you might focus on in the next three to six months, anything that you are um, wanting to share, like any last bits and pieces that you want to share with my audience uh, that maybe we just didn't have a chance to chat about earlier. I just want to make sure you have the stage to do that before we jump off. Well, thank you so much. So um, there's been a lot of planning about where the Mid-Career GPS podcast is going. And I'm very excited to share here that starting in July, I am actually doubling the number of episodes I'm dropping every week. So it's going to be a six-month trial. I'm committing it to six months. But essentially, we'll start the week off with a um, with a, a brief or shorty episode on a particular career transition topic. And then towards the end of the week, it's going to be an interview with a leader in the field. It could be another career coach or someone who's just got an amazing career story that I want to open up the platform for them to do. So I am excited not only to expand the podcast in that way, but I'm also excited about what I get to learn by doing it. So it's going to be a great opportunity for me to stretch my podcast and my business in that way to do that. So that's that's really the big thing coming up for me with the podcast that I'm just excited to share. Thank you for sharing, John. That's so exciting. And you said that's in July. You're starting to double up the episodes a week? Uh, it'll be July 11th. The week of July 11th is when we start. Love it. John, what is the best way everyone can reach out to you if they're looking to connect? Best way to connect is to do so with me on LinkedIn. You can find me at John Nerrell, J-O-H-N-N-E-R-A-L. You can also visit my website at johnnerrell.com. I've got a free guide there called Five Mistakes Mid-Career Professionals Make and Need to Stop Doing. And of course, you can always email me at john at johnnerrell.com. Let me know you heard me here on the podcast and let me know what you liked about it. And let's let's just connect and build our networks together. Love it. Thank you so much, John. You guys go check out, check out John at John at johnnarrell.com and let him know what you're up to, where you're struggling and see if he can help you out if there is anything um, that's resonating today with you. So thanks so much, John. I, I'm so appreciative of you coming on the show today and sharing such value. This is exactly what I look for on my show. Thank you, Brittany. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur or higher and want to come on just like John Neural did today, please go to top100interview.com. I'd love to have you on as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com. And then three, 
download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.